greatest among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to another episode of Phantoms and Monsters Radio where we explore the strange and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricker. Thanks for joining us. Now, if you enjoy our content, and then please subscribe, like, and share our presentation. And please feel free to comment as well. Uh, Super Chat is active during the show. So uh, please show your support for the for fans of Monster Radio by clicking the dollar icon underneath the chat. You can also support the channel by using the Buy Me a Coffee link uh, in the banner. And uh, in the description below, your consideration is very much needed and much appreciated. So tonight, I just want to mention before we start out, we will be taking questions from the chat. And uh, I'm going to leave it up to Vincent to figure out what the best question is. The winner will receive my my book, The Mean Humanoids. So uh, if he picks you, just give him your, your uh, shipping address and such, and I'll get it right out to you. So tonight, witness to a living pterosaur, author, illustrator, biblical paranormal researcher, Jason McLean, has authored and illustrated numerous books, including How UFOs and Bigfoot Prove the Bible is True and Metroplex Monsters. He can be found weekly on SRIU papers and Texas Front Porch channels on YouTube, where he discusses cryptozoology, ufology, forbidden archaeology, and the paranormal. Richard Michella is a paranormal investigator, intuitive, and author from Morse County, New Jersey. He is the owner and team leader of the New Jersey Paranormal Project, an organization he founded back in 2007. Through his years of experience in the field, he takes a very respectful approach to working on all cases he is involved with. Having intuitive abilities and concentrated on spirit art, he is always working and studying with accomplished mediums and light workers. Richard is an author with Beyond the Free Publishing and has released My New Jersey Paranormal Project, Spirit Voices, and soon to be released Case Files of the Paranormal. He brings his readers along on these cases and he has investigated and lets them feel that they are part of the investigation, share stories of his personal accounts in the paranormal. Uh, the message that resonates in all his work is on the continuity of life and giving spirit a voice. Now, Amy Major is an ordained metaphysical minister, international spirit rescue specialist, medium healer, teacher, and published author. She has been working in the metaphysical community for over 22 years. Her two books, Towards Light and Light the Way, have gained popularity in the paranormal and spiritual worlds, leading her to work with media groups, including CBS TV studio. She is uh, the host of Spirit Rescue Talk, an online show interviewing specialists in the field of spirit rescue. Her current projects include her third book, Release to Light, a guide to release attachments, spirit rescues, 
a YouTube series showcasing house clearings and spirit release, an international rescue mediumship online certification course, and more. Amy has been teaching rescue mediumship internationally for over a decade and will continue her influential work in the field of spirit rescue worldwide. And Bernadette McDaniel joins us tonight. She is an investigator and researcher at FAMS and Monsters 14 Research. She's joining us tonight uh, as my co-host and will be premiering her own show, uh, which will be titled A Paranormal Life, which will also be on Phantoms and Monsters Radio. So we'll be looking for that. So, thank, folks, thanks for joining me tonight. Pleasure to be here. Get everybody thank in you here. For having me. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do I start this out? Uh, you know, we were having a discussion about spirits and what you should call them, and energy and ghosts, which I don't like. And uh, you know, I know many of us don't like that that term. Uh, so let me start off with Richard. What do you define a, an energy, a spirit? What do you define it as? Well, a spirit to me, um, I think, is an intelligence um, where you could get a response from, where you could establish a communication, a back and forth. Um, as a ghost, I feel it's more residual and just mm -hmm. record in the fabric of time that just plays out like footsteps mm -hmm. walking up and down a stairway. There's no intelligence that's coming back in the world. So that's where I would say ghost to spirit are totally different things. Um, the spirit is intelligence. And when you communicate with them, you could get answers back. You could get their names. And, you know, they acknowledge you being within the room that the spirit is in. That's... Okay, Amy, how about your take on this? Well, I think it, it's very interesting to hear the different terminology that a lot of people mm -hmm. use. And I think I was just discussing that before we came on about uh, the terminology and the, and the displacement of some of the terms that we're using in the past. To me, and a lot of the people around the community, we use the word earthbound spirit. I'm trying to transition and change that into earthbound soul because mm -hmm. spirit is actually a transition soul. It's a soul that's actually moved into a higher consciousness and is moved back into the, the more um, expanded form of consciousness, which is we for something that's actually still in the lower realm, the lower fourth dimension, we would consider that still just a fragmented soul. And then we have fragments of fragmented souls which can be just uh, certain residual placements of, of souls in places. We don't like the word to use the word ghost. Ghost is sort of a, an old term that a lot of people use for like those spooky stories. We try to keep mm -hmm. more earthbound spirit, earthbound soul frame. We don't use ghost for residual because ghost has been used for some intelligent form grew up like hundreds of years. So it's hard to change that and make it into a residual placement imprint. So we actually call them energy sources, energy clusters, energy imprints, manifested thought forms. We try to classify them in more specified terms according to what was the root source of the reason why the energy was created in the first place. So mm. we use a lot of different terms. 
Whisper. Yeah, it's interesting some of the, the terminology people use. You know, I guess I've kind of evolved over time as well. How about you, Jason? And great to have you on the show, Jason. Uh, what's, no, it's what's, an honor. Your, uh, what's your take on this? Well, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Richard on this in that um, I would say a spirit is, I, I prefer the term spirit. I prefer to work very broadly unless we have a lot of definitive evidence to get more um, more specific. But I would argue that a spirit is a non-corporeal intelligence like Richard would. I agree with that idea because we, because we do have what a lot of people call residual hauntings where it does appear like what we, we are seeing the same thing over and over and over again. So, and uh, for example, homes where... Uh, layouts have changed. Walls have been put in or stairs have been moved. We will see a, you know, a quote unquote ghost go upstairs that no longer exist or go through doors that no longer exist. Uh, Gettysburg, there are, we see uh, reenactments apparently of Pickett's charge. So I don't believe that to be, those to be spirits. I think, again, very, very similar to, uh, to Richard, I would argue they're impressions on space time, right? And what we are seeing is, is a, a repeat of of those events spirits on the other hand i think are non-corporeal intelligences um and you could say that they're energy beings that's that's fine with me uh energy is sort of a ambiguous word anyway but i would i would definitely define a spirit as something that's non-corporeal and uh does have intelligence behind it how are you bernadette i agree with richard as well i mean because you tend to if it's a residual hunting, you tend to see, you know, like the repeatingness, basically, you know, like you guys said. But something with intelligence, I don't classify that as a ghost. I would classify a spirit or even just as a person. That's, I mean, they're intelligent like a person. They have a conversation with you. That's mm -hmm. basically how I see it, you right. know, because they still think they're alive, but they're obviously not. So to a point, I, I by them as, as a person. Well, you know, I, I, I've been involved with Spirit Rescue for a while. And of course, Amy's been involved with Spirit Rescue for a long time. I, maybe we've seen things differently because of what we have done. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's I don't, I don't know how you explain that. Um, I, I guess by what we do, we kind of... I don't know if we really see it in our mind's eye. I guess we see it, but we we kind of pick. There's different ways of picking up on the energy, and I call it energy. Uh, but of course, mm -hmm. it, it's in different forms. Um, but you know, I'm interested to know when you see or sense an energy or spirit. What do you actually see? How about you, Richard? What do you see? What do you sense? I'm. Clairvoyant, I see it in my mind's eye. It's almost mm -hmm. like a movie that's playing out. I'll see these images. I'll see the person. Um, I'll see things that they did in life, um, whether it's trinkets or what like a room looked like. Um, and I'll do my best when I'm at the location to kind of sketch the person. So you'll right. see that I'll sketch and then I start writing the evidential stuff that I'm getting. And what I mean by that is their characteristics, a name, dates, things that pertain to that spirit that's coming through. And usually by the end of my time there, I can hand that over to the person that we're investigating for or the person that I'm doing a reading for. 
And my goal is to at least have 80 to 90% of what I wrote around that image make, make sense to that person. And it's been pretty good. It's, it's been pretty like unlike canny when I hand this over and dates make sense. Um, how I describe their room being or an ailment that they had. And these are all just images that come across my mind's eye. And it's like watching just a movie play out. Right. Amy, what do you sense or see? If I'm seeing it or seeing a residual energy form. Well, it's just, you know, the, the energy. It's very common to see this. Well, what I teach my students is sometimes you'll be able to come across something that may seem very similar to a spirit. And they're not sure if it's more of a residual placement. They're not sure if it's an imprint or an energy cluster or something that's been left behind. So what I do is I teach my students see something called the echo effect. And what that does is it's you're actually projecting your own energy into the placement of that energy source. And when you're doing that, you're seeing if it responds to you. If it does respond to you, it's more of an intelligent source, which we call a soul or earthbound spirit. If it does not respond to you, when we consider that more of just an energy source, a an imprint or a time residual imprint. So we know that we don't need to we don't need to transition that soul. We only need to create the space. And we're receiving from both energy sources. We're receiving time, images, feelings, sensations, memories. We're actually communicating these spirits as well. The story of the reason why they remain earthbound. Exactly. That you know that you know you kind of put it in a nutshell the same way as with me. And and by the way, your book is mm -hmm. your your original book is the best book I've ever read on Spirit Rescue. So I'm just letting you know that. But oh, you know thank that. You. <laughs> thank you. Uh Jason, what do you sense or see? I know you do art artwork as well. Yeah. Um I'm I generally feel more than than see anything. I mean, I have seen things, but it, again, it's those seem, seem to be very situationally um, oriented. Uh, most of what I, most of mostly it's a, a sensation. I feel uh, emotions. I feel uh, usually intentionality, uh, and again, particularly if we're dealing with a with a spirit. Uh, so it's it's more about. Um, it's 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 sort of it is hard to explain. It's emotion that I feel, right? And again, the 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 sensation of uh, of intentionality. Also, I, I guess also you know that feeling that you're being watched, right? That is some that's usually like the very first thing. So it's it's an awareness of a presence, and then you you feel, you know, the intentionality of of what's happening around you. Hmm. And Bernadette, I I know I, I and I've started working you about. On almost a year ago now, because uh, you had call, originally called me about a haunting you had in your home, and uh, you met I Jennifer did. and I, and, and Jennifer and I both picked up that you were a beacon and that you had abilities, and uh, it, it kind of bowled us over. And when we started working with the the um, with the Chicago Mothman phenomena and those the unseen ones and such. You and Jennifer were really the ones that started getting in touch with these beings and helping us try to figure out what's been going on. 
So, you know, and I, and I know you do have other gifts. You do pick up on a lot of different things. You're, you're very good at that, things, sensing things. Uh, how would you describe what you see? I think it's all a, a mix. It's very hard because it's where I am. I can see anything from someone as real as, you know, looking at you to hearing them, just their voice to getting images it it all depends it's, it's very strange like when i like you said when i originally called you uh, that's what we were hearing in the house it sounded like party going on and it just it kept getting louder and louder to the point where i'm like i was searching and i didn't excuse me see anything or hear anything it was very weird it was like it was evading me and it just i could tell it was there but it was just like it was blocking me for some reason mm -hmm. and then I called you, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah, I think you called us for a reason. You know, I, you know, it's funny how all this, all this worked out. But uh, you yeah. know, Jesus, Jesus said something very interesting, and he, he was talking about how we feel these energies, these spirits. Are we all impasse? What do you think about that, Richard? I think we all have the the ability to some extent. Some people are more tuned to it than others, but I, I think we all have that ability to feel. I mean, we've all walked into places where you get a gut feeling or where you have a knowing, you know, whether it's a house you walk into or a room where an argument has taken place. Um, we all have that ability, you know, it's what we label it. Oh, you know, you you know you're you're keen to you know picking up on 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 things well what are those things that you're picking up on you know i think we all have the ability it's like learning how to play an instrument or mm -hmm. you know and learning and having mentors and people who teach you how to work with energy and how to it advance I, I i guess would be the best word but i i totally think we all have this you know ability it's just how we use it and how we go about working with it. How would you, Amy, you think you're an empath? Unfortunately, yes. Um, but I think everybody to a certain point has a natural ability of impeccability. Just like everybody is technically intuitive, it depends on whether they really want to harness that energy. Empathic ability is actually a projection from the solar plexus. So if people actually have wounds or imprints or any type of blocks in their solar plexus, they will actually be less empathic. I've known quite a mm -hmm. few people that have shut down emotionally, shut down empathically altogether. And I've seen people that have actually so empathic, they're so sensitive to public spaces. They have a hard time talking to people. They get easily overwhelmed. So I think it all depends on the gauging of the empathic ability of the person, their solar plexus, their intention behind their empathic abilities. And, and like Richard was saying, how they can be trained to properly use their empathic ability so they feel safe in a space that may be a little overwhelming for them. Uh, Jason, and I know you're the one who brought this up, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I would actually start off with by saying one of the things we often sort of forget in the entire conversation is we are by nature, all humans are by nature supernatural beings mm-hmm. at, our, at our core. So... Yes. I mean, fundamentally, we all have a a connection to the supernatural because that is part of our natural uh, ability. We just we tend not to notice it as often because we focus on the material, right? The material is easy to see, easy to manipulate. So most people don't recognize um, the, the, the supernatural nature of our existence. However, again, the feeling of being watched is such a universal feeling that the CIA and the DOD, they, they train people if you're following someone not to look directly at them. If you're a sniper, don't look directly at your target until you're ready to pull that trigger because mm-hmm. it, you can sense that. So, I mean, the simple fact of the matter is since that's, I mean, people have, we can prove that's a real phenomena. Everyone has, as a nature, we are supernaturally connected because we're part of that. We are a part of that reality, whether we'd like to admit it or not. However, I do think there are people who are um, naturally more inclined to be you know, more empathic or be more connected to other aspects of the supernatural. How about you, Bernadette? Do you feel, do you feel emotion from these energies around you? Sometimes. It depends. It really does. I, I try not to do it because it overwhelms me at times, but most of the time, yeah. Like you were there the one time that I actually felt it, mm-hmm. so you actually yeah. witnessed it firsthand. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, um, and I'm the same way. I mean, because it, it's not, it, it's usually gradual, but sometimes it's just like a sock in the face. You know, it's just really, you know, uh, and of course, when I've done remote view work and and involved in my spirit rescue work. Uh, especially if you get a psychic attack or something, yeah, then you really feel it. You feel not only the attack, but you feel the emotion. And uh, that can be a bit overwhelming. Uh, we got a real interesting question in here, and uh, by my nature, and I, I, I don't even know how to ask this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is ectoplasm a real aspect of the phenomena? How about it, Richard? Peace. Spiritualist movement in the 18, right after the Civil War, so 1860s to the early 1900s, they would have people that have witnessed this ectoplasma that comes out of the medium. Um, I've never seen it, but from looking and reading all the research and the photographs that were taken um, in that time period, there is photos of this substance that comes out of the medium who's acting as the conduit to spirit. So it's mm-hmm. really interesting. How about it, Amy? You ever seen ectoplasm? Well, ectoplasma is actually invisible, which is why people have a really hard time seeing it in real time. It's something that is usually seen when they're, when photographs are being taken of it. 
and it is very much real and quite often physical mediums will have ectoplasma energy that's emanating from their auric field. And they have to be very careful with this because the ectoplasma then will bring, will come back into oral display projection of the ectoplasma is done and being used. They've been known to bring back leopard clips and dust mites and uh, um, pieces of paper back into the medium's energy and they've been able to see it under the skin. They've been able to see, if they go for an x-ray, they can see the paper clips inside the body mm. of the medium who've brought that energy back to them. So it's a very difficult thing to say, yes, I've seen it because it's it's something that isn't seen with the naked eye unless you have certain ESP abilities to be able to see that type of phenomenon. But I, I do very much believe in it as a spiritualist myself, uh, we have many seances and uh, uh, boxes where we've used this, where we've actually seen the projection of face top of mediums and their unique plasma energy of the mm-hmm. field of the medium to be able to do that. It's hmm. been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's not like green slime, you know, like they show in the movies. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> No well, exactly. Well, it, well, I mean, to a point, I think we we all kind of agree on this because a lot of, to Richard's point, a lot of the spiritists of the of the you know late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, the photographs. Uh, there are some photographs you could argue something is being observed. However, there were known charlatans, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always a charlatan. There's always fake images. You know, it doesn't matter what field you're in. Someone's trying to make a buck. Right, uh, and so there were there were a lot of noted spiritists who, you know, were using uh, cotton that they had uh, soaked and things like that to create this kind of ectoplasm. However, that doesn't mean it's not a real phenomena. It's just not often, to uh, Amy's point, it's not what's yeah. usually depicted in popular media. Right. So I mean, it, you know, it, and I think one of the things we need to remember sometimes on all of these things is. Uh, because there was a question earlier about what is the word, you know, what is a specter? Well, the problem is we don't really have a lot of agreed upon ideas yet. You know, terminology, we haven't really been able to break it down in the way we, you would if you know, you know, uh, certain other more tangible phenomena that can be observed and repeated in a laboratory. That's not where we are with a lot of this material. So a lot of these phrases seem to be uh, sort of very vague and ambiguous and sometimes not helpful. But I, I do agree. I think ecto as an idea uh, is what you're seeing is again that sort of the energy right it's it's that form it's it's something that's not the spirit it is something separate but a lot of what we saw again that sort of created the idea of the ectoplasm in popular media a lot of that was hoaxed um so that's not what it is but i do think it's a real phenomena but to amy's point i also don't think you're going to see it with the naked eye you know i don't think the average person is going to be walking down the street and be like oh look at that ectoplasm <laughs> Have you ever seen anything like that or sensed anything like that, uh, Bernadette? I have not, no. I have not. And I, I agree. If it, I've never seen it, but if it's there, it's invisible. I, I've, I've never seen it. Yeah, I agree. I, Me neither. I mean, I just thought it was an interesting question, so I figured I'd run it by you all. Uh, Vincent wants to know, do you think trauma or near-death experience can open up abilities? Um, I will say that I think in some cases it, it will open up abilities, you know, if it, um, 
of course, we've all heard of people who come out mm -hmm. of a near-death experience and having certain abilities that they've shown. Uh, Richard, what do you think? Yeah, I totally think it's possible. I have a friend of mine who was actually born and she had no heartbeat and it took about a minute and they were able to help her and bring, you know, the heartbeat back. And she feels that that was, you know, the spark that kind of set, sent her on this um, journey of being a medium and being able to talk, talk to the other side, but whether it's the etheric body that kind of blends as this is happening or opens up that antenna of energy for that person because you're so close to death and transferring back. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, topic, you know, especially like with the NDs um, and the people that come back that now have these abilities or they hear or they see. Um, it's really interesting especially the work of Dr. Moody and uh, what he has pretty much made his life's mission to tell these people's stories. And so many of these people have these experiences once they come back from the other side. Amy, have you ever had the experience working with somebody or in spirit rescue that has had a near-death experience and has obtained one of these, one of these energies? Uh, actually, I met my husband that way. Oh, he, really? He had a, a near-death experience uh, that really opened him up quite a bit. And uh, he was able to, he saw the light, he talked the voices exactly that came the decision to either stay or go. And he, he decided to stay. And ever since then, he was just so obsessed with the paranormal and the afterlife and trying to find out more detail about the other side. I've actually asked my guides on the upside why this actually exists because so many people are experiencing it. I wouldn't say trauma can do this because trauma can actually shut some people down. So I want mm -hmm. people thinking trauma, can, it can open you up, but it can also shut you down as well. The mm -hmm. near death experience, I would say is a good 90 to 95% chance of somebody opening up their intuitive and mediumship abilities. And the reason I believe my guides explained was that when the person is actually just from the body, the reality of their etheric body into a higher state of consciousness. When they're doing that, they're opening up higher forms of their chakra system. When they come back into their physical body through the silver cord of connection, those, the chakra system remains open. And because of that, they're now more intuitive and mediumistic, whereas before they may not have been. Mediums are born with this extended chakra system open, where some people need the near-death experience to actually physically have that happen. Interesting. What do you think, Jason? Um, we're all basically saying often uh, this, many of the same things. Um, yeah. So, again, it's one of those things where you can trauma and these other near-death experiences um, activate someone's abilities. Again, in some cases, I think it does activate them. Other cases, I think it just it shocks them into awareness. Like when you buy a car that in, you've never seen, you don't see anyone driving them around, but you buy your car all of a sudden, you see them everywhere, right? It's more about uh, so much of our of our lives is about our own perception of reality more than reality itself. 
And so sometimes just realizing something is there will force you to actually recognize it. Right. And so most people live their lives actually either not thinking about the supernatural aspect of reality or ignoring it completely. So sometimes that trauma shocks them out of their out of their, uh, you know, out of their own ignorance and saying, OK, I can't I have to at least address this. And once you realize it, you, you see it. Right. It, there's so much of, of life that's like that. Um, like once you become aware of, of symbology, you start realizing, oh, hold on, it's everywhere. And you start seeing those symbols and how they're used. And you're like, oh, OK, this is where I really live. Same thing. For a lot of people, they, they're just able, they just live their lives not paying attention to it. And then once it's happened and they can't deny it, now they're actually, they're sensing it, they're seeing it. it and they accept that it's a reality. And that, you know, you can, talk, you can call it an activation. I think it's just they stop ignoring it. But some people do uh, after a traumatic event, physical damage, surgeries, or a near-death near experience. I do think that they do that. You know, there's clearly people who have greater or above average, uh, you know, uh, tele, you know, uh, extrasensory abilities. Have you ever known anyone with a near-death experience, Bernadette? I've I've known a few. I've known a few myself included. I mean, oh, really? My yeah, my appendix burst when I was eighteen. And it, it was pretty bad. And they had rushed me up to the OR. Like, I, I was in and out of the consciousness. And when I finally, you know, I woke up on the table. I watched them do the surgery after they got me back out. Um, on the way up to the, you know, to the OR, I saw the nurse in the elevator. And my mom was a nurse. So this nurse was at the foot of my bed. And she was dressed exactly like my mom. But she was blonde. She had turned and she stared at me and she smiled. And when I got to my room and I was more aware, more conscious, I said that to my mom. My mom looked at me and she said, no, that was the private elevator. It was only me and the surgeon in the elevator. And I said, no, there was there was a nurse in the elevator. And she's like, no. I said, what about the music? And she's like, there's no music. She said it was silent. Do you think? So, that, I mean, that, do you think? Do you think afterwards it enhanced your abilities? I do. Yeah. Do you? I do. Yeah. I do. Interesting. It, I I started seeing more. I started feeling more. I was just always taught as a child, from the first time I had an experience, that we don't speak about it. It's something you don't speak mm -hmm. about. It's something you don't tell others about because they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're odd. So it's better you just you keep it to yourself, you know. But after that, it seemed to pick more and more. And I would just, you know, I would still keep it to myself, but I would just be like, okay, I, I know what I saw this this happening. So I, I think when you have something like that, whether it's like a car accident or your appendix bursting, it, it tends to win something in you. Like you're right at that edge where the veil is so thin that, you know, you're, you're on both sides. So something is happening to you. Okay. Uh, my, here's a question uh, from Vincent. 
what causes a haunting? Well, let me let me change that a bit. What causes a malevolent haunting? Richard. Malevolent haunting, uh, it all takes place. I mean, whatever happens in that location, whether it's traumatic, um, if someone's life was lost there, I, I believe that energy of that event could just be stored in that space. Um, and that's where you could kind of get like that replay happening, that more residual. Um, but the malevolent of it, uh, for something to, you know, cause harm to people, it could be something to the extent of someone really wanting to let their presence be known. And that's where they're shaking your bed or they're swinging open the cabinets in your kitchen. I mean, it's how you perceive it. Like you, you, you might say, oh, they're really trying to like scare me. Maybe they're at their wits end and they're trying to make their presence known. It's just how we're perceiving it as the human experiencing it saying, you know, they're, they're, you know, attacking me. They're shaking my bed. They're, you know, pushing me. I mean, they're making their presence down that way. So it's our perception. I mean, do I feel that spirit, you know, this intelligent spirit would be trying to cause harm? I do believe that when we die, you know, if you're a bad person, you're not going to be a cherub who's playing, you know, a harp on, on, on the other side. So, you know, you have these people that did bad things at, at these places. And if they're on the other side, I feel that their energy, their spirit, you know, is going to be pretty much what they were like here. You do have an opportunity to, you know, go from the darkness to the light and evolve but if you don't want to, you could be that miserable, bad person on the other side. So it's, you know, to the extent now, you know, that person is still, you know, there. And it's how we perceive them, I, you know, think. Now, Amy, <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel the same way in a way. But I know with Spirit Rescue, it's all free will. If they don't want to go, they're not going to go. Yeah. And uh, if they're malevolent or they have some kind of issue, and look, I don't like using the word demon. I mean, I think evil is evil. You know, I know that. I think that. Um, what causes, what do you believe actually causes the malevolency? And have you been able to ever move any malevolent energies? Oh, absolutely. Every time. Oh, yeah. uh, it's not just me that's doing the work, it's the spirit team that's doing the work with right. me, any other colleagues that are coming to me. Uh, oh, only because I don't like taking no for an answer, <laughs> really. <laughs> but I, I have to that the idea of calling it this means it's in the eye of the beholder right. who is actually uh, experiencing the haunting. And you have to look at a haunting going, okay, well, who is the actual occupant? performing the haunting? Is it an earthbound soul? Is it a residual placement imprint? Is it an entity? It is, is it a manifested entity? So you have to look at root cause of what's actually there. And then you need to look is that just afraid of, or rather, is this something that's a true threat? Because it's a completely different scenario. Most people will usually find some type of fear-based reaction in any type of haunting, unless they're just absolutely 
thrilled with the idea of their house being haunted, which a lot of people are <laughs> these days. Well, we do run into that. that reason. Exactly. So I think that it's really going to be based on the person who's experiencing the haunting that will determine whether this is malevolent or not. But with that being said, anything where a spirit entity is threatening somebody in the home or in the business, this is where we transition from being rescue mediums to being clearing specialists. We go in with the actual intention to perform security and protection of the people that are in the home. We work with specialized higher form entities on the other side. We work with our guides and angels. We also learn protection techniques, energy techniques of actually clearing these entities out, banishing them, wrapping golden light, putting them in spirit jail is what I call them. And we're able to eliminate them from the premises if we feel they are threatening. But we have to be able to make that determination if they are threatening or if they're just something that somebody's afraid of because they're just not familiar with who this spirit is or what this spirit is and what the intention behind the spirit is. Once we're able to get more information from the spirit, most people aren't afraid anymore. So rectified in the first hour or two doing the energy clearing work. If it is, we'll go in and uh, remove it if needed. Absolutely. What do you think, Jason? Um, again, there are nuances to this. I like how you pointed out, you know, malevolent. Uh, to be honest, most of the malevolent entities I've encountered, I don't believe to be of human origin at all. Uh, oftentimes they can manifest physically. Um, so in the, what I, what I found is there teams, there seems to be at least two or three major kinds. One is it, the creature has, uh, I'll even use the word creature on this. Uh, they have a right to be there. Perhaps they were, again, when we talk about spirits or the supernatural, we're talking about entire ecosystems of beings, right? I think a lot of people have this idea. That's one kind of thing. It's ecosystems like saying mammal. Right, a mammal can run runs all kinds of gambits. Uh, the more powerful ones seem to be they have a right to be there, and those places tend to attract, um, uh, let's say, negative people doing negative things anyway. Right, so it's it, there. It's it feels like a safe place for people to do terrible, terrible things. Sometimes, sometimes though, like flies, they're attracted to, again areas where, th where where things are performed but sometimes i think they're they are it isn't the location it's the person that they are that they're targeting uh a lot of these negative entities um yeah i have no problem saying the word the word demon uh particularly the lessers the lesser demons they pref they f seem to feed off of trauma and pain even particularly the ones that they that they cause right um and so they are they are targeting the person in order to oftentimes exacerbate usually an existing trauma or pain and and they're they 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 sense that that vulnerability and they go for it and they act they honestly a lot of shadow people people who, who suffer from sleep paralysis i think are these are the same creatures they've there's just a different 
access point. You know, they'll do whatever they can to get to get to them. And so I think I think so. Again, sometimes they have authority to be there. Sometimes they're drawn because of our actions, and sometimes they're pre- they're just predating on our fear and trauma. Uh, Dad, have you ever dealt with anything evil or malevolent? Yes, I mean it, it. Yes, I mean you were there during one of those times. Um, I've had that in my family actually. So I mean, like Jason said, there are demons that you know tend to feed off certain people. I had that in my family. You know, mm-hmm. they just they can draw something like that, and I've seen that firsthand. So yeah. Um, well, that, that comes up to another question. Somebody asked about shadow people. What are your thoughts on those? What are they? Are they spirit energy or are they something other than that? I believe that they're they're enigma, basically, but the, they are they basically feed on life force. What do you think, Richard? Yeah, I mean, there's been, you know, theories that they're coming in from another realm, that they could right. be possibly the future. Um the whole thing to me that they're dark and they're like brooding. You don't never hear of somebody say, well, that shadow person was so friendly, you know, like <laughs> there's, there's like always this yep. mystique where they're watching, they're viewing. Um, I definitely feel that they're a dark energy. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say they're demon, but I, I believe that their vibration is very low. I don't know where they are actually coming from. The future, I mean, they're they're saying a lot of them wear like the old top hat and, you know, the overcoat. There's a lot of sketches of, you know, that. Um, actually, on my Facebook, I wish I had the picture. Um, it's about two or three weeks ago. I'm getting ready and I'm going to work. And my bathroom window is about 30 feet off you know, the ground, that's where we park our cars. So I'm walking towards my bathroom window and looking in my bathroom window is a perfect, uh, perfect outline of a person leaning like this, looking in my window. So I snapped, so I snapped a picture of it and I said, the next few nights I'm going to see and see how the lights are casting and see if that image is there. It never came back. So I said to my you know, wife and I said, I think there was a shadow person outside the bathroom window looking into the house because I've never been able to capture it again. And, and the next day, the, you know, the next four or five days, I wasn't able to capture that you know, image. Um, I don't know if they know that you know, I'm you know, a sensitive, they're coming to you know, the house for that, but there's been weird things that started to happen around here. Um, with lights going on. So I did a little cleansing, um, some sage, and uh, we're, we're, we're hoping he finds his way. <laughs> so it's very interesting. You know, the situations I've been involved with with these so-called shadow people seems to be uh, where there's uh, dysfunction or there's some type of distress in a family. You know, I've always given the analogy that it's like these things are walking down the middle of the road in a, in a neighborhood <clears throat> and they're just looking side to side, which house has the, the, the darker energy in there. And that's where they go because that they, that's something they can feed on. So uh, what, what do you think about that analogy, Amy? Well, it's very difficult 
to talk about shadow people because mm -hmm. again, it comes down to perception. Everybody right. sees something a little different when it comes to shadow forms. I've actually never seen a shadow form myself doing any type of rescue work or any clearing, but I have talked to a lot of people and I've tapped into the energy myself to do a little analyzing to see exactly what this might be. And I found sort of a, a conclusion of two different results of this. First result is it's a two-dimensional form that has been recently manifested. So when you take a collective consciousness of um, the, a whole bunch of people believe in the same thing, this actually creates a manifested form. Wonderful. Because it's shadow, yeah. exactly. It, it doesn't have a true identity outside of that collective consciousness. So it molds itself as a shapeshifter into whatever the collective consciousness is projecting. You start changing the thought and belief system behind that shadow form, the shadow form will now start changing and molding into the new identity that's created in that collective consciousness. I also believe shadow forms can be manifested and projected from the shadow form that you hold within yourself. We all have a shadow self. That's that identity, that form of who you are that you ignore, you pay no attention to. It's sort of like the person who is an artist and their father wants them to become a lawyer and they never get to be able to enhance their artistic ability. They shove that down in the subconscious. The subconscious becomes very agitated, regretful. It now forms a shadow self that holds all of that anger and resentment and wants to be heard and seen. It's a shadow form within everybody. Everybody has a shadow form within them. I was, let me say 95%, not everybody. I can't say everyone. But I will say when you have a shadow form that isn't being acknowledged, it will actually project that around you and emanate an image before you that's trying to tell you something. It's trying to say, pay attention to me. This is a form of yourself that you're not finding resolution with. We're gonna project out around you so you're able to pay more attention to it. So I believe it's all manifested energy, but I've never experienced it, so I can't really say 100%. Well, let me ask you this, Emmy. Um, is, is it very similar uh, is a shadow being very similar to a poltergeist, which is a, a thought form being? Yes, exactly. Same thing. Shadow form is an actual image projected from the subconscious, whereas a poltergeist is an actual psychokinesis energy that's emanating from subconscious that's projecting an act, movement, and flow of the subconscious. Right. So yes, very similar. It's interesting. I've never really associated the both together, but that is an interesting analogy. Uh, Jason, what do you think about that? Yeah, let me let me take it a slightly different uh, direction. I, again, I've got no problem using the word demon. I, as I've already sort of alluded to, I do think a lot of the shadow person phenomena are demons that are lower level demons that are using, uh, again, terror and trauma to feed. However... Uh, something we were kind of exploring on our channel um, is the idea that some of these uh, beings may actually be human, uh, not dead humans, not, not ghosts or anything like that, but rather are humans in remote viewing locations and things as well. Oh. The, they may be, yeah, that's Chupi. He's not, he's not a shadow person. Um, 
but uh so yeah i i think i think this the phenomena is has a lot of different forms it takes a lot of different things and again this goes back to what amy was talking about perception the the issue with all you know sort of the supernatural ethereal uh beings encounters phenomena is that it is very susceptible to our perception of it right mm -hmm. uh and so you know it's not like this can right we can observe we can objectively observe this can we can measure it we can weigh it we can melt it down we can figure out what it's made out of that's not really what we can do from an objective measure so much of is our perception so it's when it comes to like the shadow people and, and really any of it it's we're using names we're using words we're using concepts and ideas that make sense to us but we may be taking multiple phenomena and using the same phraseology and the same terminology and what we may be witnessing is multiple phenomena and but we don't really see that see it that way because of our ability to perceive it so i think with a lot of pretty much all uh you know what you could call paranormal I think we need to be open to the idea that we're we may be seeing multiple phenomena, but we weren't because we can't objectively view it and measure it and and categorize it. We just may not be understanding the differences between them. Bernadette, have you ever seen a shadow person, or what you thought to be a shadow person? Have you? I have actually, and I was I was about ten years old, and I didn't even know what they were at the time. And I'd woken up, and there was this man leaning like. The house we had lived in at the time had built-in bunk beds, and he was leaning into the bunk bed just staring at me. He, there was no facial features, nothing. It was just he was solid black. Mm -hmm. He had on like a fedora-type hat. I remember that. And it was just the weirdest thing. And I thought, oh, like there's, you know, it, it didn't register at the time. I'm like, there's a man in here. And then I started the panic, and it was just like, like I, I got kind of paralyzed, and I just got very tired, and I fell back to sleep. And in the morning, I woke up, and I, I told my mom, and I told my grandmother, and they're like, there was no one here. You had a bad dream. It's fine. And that, that bothered me ever since. And then maybe five years ago, I actually saw something on the hat man, and I'm just, like, looking at the picture. I'm like, so I wasn't crazy like that it exists you know but i mean it, he was so solid that if i could have reached out i could have probably touched him and he was that close and i i've never seen anything like that since hmm you know uh jason brought something up that's very interesting and i've heard this analogy as before uh as far as remote viewing where people think or actually believe that uh, they see images of someone doing actually remote viewing Mm -hmm. uh and i i don't i don't know it's hard for me to I, i've done remote i've been trained to remote view um i i just never have really heard much about that um uh, i don't know maybe do any of you any of you three or four have a any any uh thoughts on remote viewing and actually being able to be detected by somebody as as a maybe a, a non-ethereal being uh, yep, okay, absolutely. so sorry. No, Amy, please. No, no, remote viewing is really your astral form leaving right. your body or a fragment of your astral form leaving your body. And it's been known people have actually seen 
apparitions of people walking around where they're actually in astral form in remote viewing. So you can actually see them. They look like a ghost, but they're not. It's just their astral form. People remote view all the time when they go to bed at night. They're right. constantly moving their body. So I, I think that that happens quite a bit. With the demonic entities, though, I, f I haven't seen them remote view because I think there's so many scouts out there that are jumping into people and jumping into tiny crevices of places, into dark spaces, and they're actually um, communicating on a telepathic level. So mm. the end, I don't think the demonic entities would need to remote view, but they, I absolutely believe that they could um, because there's just too many scouts out there. It's like they're in the millions. And so it's kind of like they're reporting back to the hierarchy of the demonics to let them know, okay, this person's a victim, this person's susceptible, and they create a line of sight to, and also imprint into individuals so the higher demonic entities can come and embed into them. I do uh, attachment removals and demonic entity removals all the time. I haven't seen any remote viewing from them, but I think that's a really awesome concept. I really do, and I'm gonna look into that. Jason. Yeah, um, so I, I have to be careful with certain phraseologies here. Um, some of this comes from our conversations with Jessica. Others comes with other people that I know who are remote viewers. Again, I don't want to reveal anything or, you know, I, we all we all know why, right? Um, so, yes, there are there are many, many remote viewers have particularly the, you know, some of the more officially trained ones uh, have witnessed other people remote viewing. In fact, it becomes sort of an issue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, particularly when you start talking about stuff with like the CIA. But I would like to push that a little bit further and say we tend to think of remote viewers as, again, either people trained by the government or we think of it more from an, an official position. I think we often forget that out in the world, there are cultists who do dark and evil things and that in in what we would call remote viewing or something very similar to it is practiced by some by some of these occultists mm -hmm. and uh, and again i can speak from experience on in this matter some of these people do very very evil things and i would not which is why what got us sort of down this road i would not be surprised if a lot of malevolent some again shadow people or some of these other things beings are themselves humans who are using this ability either to draw power from causing uh trauma or just to be there with the other demonic entities that are feeding off of it to learn or to help them or to you know go with them um so th i mean there is a history and again documented cases of people witnessing other people remote viewing and running across other entities as well and i think we we often remember we often forget it to our detriment that there is a group of people who don't like to talk about what they do who are who are very who are dedicated to obtaining power through deceptive and evil means and really terrible things and i think we we need to remember that that is that these abilities and these um techniques are part of their repertoire as well Hmm. Anybody else have any thoughts on that RVing? I think it's fascinating. I I have no real thoughts, but I think it's fascinating. Very. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's I don't really like talking about it a lot, and I agree mm-hmm. with Jason. Many remote viewers do not like to go into the whole thing. I was, I was actually trained by somebody who worked for MI6 about eleven years ago, so they were they were a retired remote viewer, and um, it was it took about six months for me to train. So I was using coordinated remote viewing and also scientific remote viewing and going through the phases and stuff. But I've worked with others as well. And it's not an individual thing. I mean, it is if I'm working a case, but if it's not an individual thing, if we're given a project to where we're going through all the, the phases and then we come up with with a, a conclusion. But uh, you're right, though. Many people don't like to talk about it. And I'm fascinated when I hear theories that these things show up, that people who are actually remote going, I, you know, I, my phrase for, and I don't know if Amy's, I told Amy this before, but I call it astral perception as far mm-hmm. as what I call remote viewing. Right. And, because uh, I, I think the things with remote viewing, it can be done either way where you're, you are astral projecting, but there's a lot of psychics out there that don't actually project out of their body to astral to remote view. You use right. it through your psychic ESP, your, your third eye, where you link into a place and you're able to view it, but you never leave your physical body right. to be able to do so. So I call it more of an astral projection into a space to read the energy of a place, but some remote viewing can actually be done when you never leave your home, you never leave your body, you're just able to psychically link into a place. And, so and I would actually, you no, know, I, I agree with, uh, with Amy on this. In fact, I would, I would suggest, uh, and I try again, just for sake of creating, you know, uh, a better understanding of things. I tend to view remote viewing as different from astral projection because, you know, once you leave your body, I think you are astral projecting. But this um, isn't astral projecting. This is correct. I call it astral yeah. perception. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a play on words, but it, it, yeah. it kind of describes what I feel like that I'm actually mm-hmm. going through when I do it. Well, and that's why I would suggest that, you know, remote viewing, again, to your astral perception. But I think that remote viewing is different from astral projection. I think these are two very different right. things. Yeah. Um, and, and they both come with their own unique dangers, their own uh, you know side effects, if you will. But yeah, I would say I would suggest there is that there that is a distinct difference between the two techniques and the two practices is that one you are perceiving something, one you are actively your your consciousness is leaving your body, you are traveling somewhere else. Um, and so those are two that that I, I would argue that's a significant difference between the two techniques. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Um, now this is something that I, I've experienced while RVing. Uh, if I'm in, if I'm doing a haunting case or actually uh, an attachment case, and I'm trying to do spirit rescue with it, and it's to some degree, but I'm trying to really find out what's causing issues with the the climb, is that I had been psychically attacked twice, very, very badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, one time I had a very long laceration go right down down my chest that was somewhat mm-hmm. deep, and I. Uh, literally broke a rib one time on my right side uh actually you know doing a doing a, you know doing one of these rvs have mm-hmm. any of you ever experienced any type of psychic attack or injury because of what you do no 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 how about it amy i have never had an actual 
physical scratch or bruise. Uh -huh. I have had a, a psychic and spiritual attack where they've jumped into my subconscious, into yeah. my dreams, uh, into my body many, many times. I've had them jump into my face, try to choke me over and over again, try to blind me, try to rape me, try to suffocate me in some way. I've been attacked for at least 20 years <laughs> of yeah. different entities, different ghosts, different psychic attacks. They, they see a woman and they think, oh, she's vulnerable. Well, it just made me stronger. But as far as getting an actual scratch, I haven't seen that, but I've seen quite a bit of people who have. And when I see it, it's usually three marks down their body. And when mm -hmm. I see the three marks, I know it's not human. That's yeah. actually attacked them in some yeah. way. There's a lot of there's a lot of burns. There's a lot of abrasions <laughs> on the skin yeah. that come through. So I've seen it all. I'm just grateful that I haven't been attacked in that way. I can say the other way is plenty. <laughs> You know, I can't I, I can't count on all of my hands how many in my toes, how many clients who have and especially if they're taking showers, have had the three scratches yep. that happen on their back. Right. It, 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 it's something about a bathroom, I think. I, I think because of the water in the bathroom, there's some type of energy thing there. But it seems like these these scratches mm -hmm manifest on these people while they're in the bathroom i don't know Sorry. It, it seems weird but i think it's the mirror I, actually I, yeah really yeah I think so. yeah. yeah the very mirror very good very good with that one yeah definitely the mirror the reflection well water is actually a reflective source so right. they're mm -hmm. actually using water as a reflection, but water is also a conduit of electromagnetic energy that spirits are using to help manifest. And then you have the person naked, which provides the enticing appeal for something of a lower level frequency trying to come in and actually physically attack them. So you have all three kind of combining into one, so it just makes the perfect scenario for someone to get attacked i don't want people thinking they're going to get attacked in the bathroom tonight because of that reason <laughs> but i want people just to be aware of whatever they're bringing in if they feel yeah. being that they're being threatened in some way stop the water get some clothes on say a prayer raise your frequency know how to protect yourself if something like that's going to happen yeah uh what something we again most people well most people just don't know um is that the very earliest forms of scrying uh, where again, mirrors were very, very difficult to come by. They would use uh, flat silver dishes, right? And they would use a very thin layer of water. And it would create a mirror. So again, honestly, mirrors are one of the more dangerous from a supernatural perspective uh, items people have in their homes. Yeah. And, yeah I agree with that. And to, again, both of your points, I mean, the, the three scratches, actually, uh, Bob, our our producer recently had a very, you know, had those three scratches hit him while uh, he, Tex, and Randy were at the Hill House out here in Mineral Wells. They, and it just straight across. Um, and it's one of those things where that I don't think that's a coincidence, you know, the fact that we're seeing three scratches along people i mean it's a very very common phenomena and again to amy's point i agree i don't think you're dealing with 
I don't think you're dealing with a human soul. In fact, I, I, a lot of things, that if they physically manifest, I just don't think you're dealing with a human. I think you're dealing with, uh, with again, I have no problem calling them uh, a demon. I think you're dealing with something that is malevolent. Now, again, can we is do we have to hold open the possibility that this is again like we were talking about maybe some of these dark occultists uh, using some sort of ability? Maybe I don't think we can rule that out. But my it, my instinct on that is that we are dealing with something like a demon, and the the three I think is a very important aspect to this, right? That you're dealing with a claw, you're not dealing with a hand. Or the mocking of the Trinity, right? Right. That that's definitely that is absolutely a, um, I think something you could say. But again, instinctively, I'm thinking more. I, for, again, in, I have no reason to this beyond this is just my head. Uh, yeah. Is is a bird claw, right? It's just it's we're dealing with claws, right? Birds have uh, three, you know, unless you're dealing with a parrot, uh, you know, three forward facing. Uh, you know, toes. So I, I just, for whatever reason, it just reeks of bird symbology and considering the connection between owls and the demonic realm all throughout human history. I just, my brain makes that connection. It's like, maybe there's more to that than we realize sometimes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I got a question. Could James be something more in the order to Go ahead. Go ahead, Amy. Well, I'm just, you know, if you're going to the claws, you could be actually tapping into more order of the phoenix, which is actually an occult, the demonic group mm -hmm. that's connected to the elite. And they may actually be yep. using manifested entities that are actually attacking people. Uh, I've actually also the reptilians come in with claw marks as well. But they usually like to invade the host and feed off their energy until they commit suicide. Usually the Order of the Phoenix come in with claw marks just to um, antagonize in some way um, and, and to create physical harm. I've seen that a lot as well. I'm just maybe kind of alluding to the Order of the Phoenix with the claw marks with the with the bird. That would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, James West asked about, and I'm getting others asking too, What are your, and I'm going to ask the group as a whole, whoever jumps in first. What are your opinions of the jinn? Trickster spirits, you know, that I mean they're in every culture. You have pan, you have, you know, jinn, you have all these, you know, uh, these trickster spirits that like and feed off chaos or being mischievous and, you know, they're in every culture. If 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 if, if you look it up, there's a trickster spirit in every mm -hmm. In every culture. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean to, to Richard's point, it's the it's the shahadim of the Hebrew. It's the mm -hmm. it's the satyrs, the fauns of the Greeks and the Romans. It's the leshy of the of the uh, you know Indo Russians. Uh, we goat man. I mean, you you, you go throughout. Yeah, you go throughout history. You see these creatures, these you know, Jin, whatever they're all this they're, they're all the same thing. These are all different names for the same supernatural creatures, and they're not they are of a much higher order. I mean, they do they can take physical form, you know. I and I generally honestly, I think we uh, in Brown Springs, we're dealing there's a creature probably of that order, uh, that makes its home there. It, you know, we've 
just with the things that we've encountered. It's these are very, very powerful, often and if not almost exclusively malevolent, and they will kill, you know, through through various and sundry means. Mm -hmm. But the simple fact of the matter is Jen is just another name for this. I think this is one and this is one of those things that we we tend to uh, I actually was talking about this just the other day on our show. Um we often use words and and give things names and we think well because this name is different from this name we're talking about two different things no oftentimes we're just that's just a name that is just a name given to a phenomena by one culture all these cultures are having the same experiences and they're giving them names if you take that broader step back and just say where what's the venn diagram look like right when you start looking at what people actually encounter not i don't discount lore but i don't rely exclusively on lore because oftentimes there's more associated to it but you just say what do people actually observe right you start noticing that venn diagram between a lot of these things start overlapping a little too much for my taste and i think what and i think what we often think are differing you know all these different things are actually maybe the same phenomena it just looks different you know, the, the, the physical thing or the thing that people see or the names that are given it, they're different, but it's the exact same phenomena. Mm. Anybody else? No, I think that what they said was, was spot on with that. It really comes down to the, uh, the perception of the culture. And again, uh, entities will shapeshift into a form that mm -hmm. is well-suited that culture and that religion and they will play off of the fears of that culture and religion and will shapeshift into whatever is necessary to provoke a response of fear. So I think that I, they're all the same um, dark entity source. I think they just move throughout various uh, perceptions and illustrations of form to be able to uh, be the best and most appropriate form of fear for that culture in that region. Mm -hmm. And well, and also I think what, and again, completely agree with Amy, but to take it one step further, I also think that when they do take in the same culture, they'll take different forms because I think the chaos is the point. One of the things we talked, we, we, one of the theories mm -hmm. we're exploring on, on our channel, um, we, you know, let me start with uh, there is there is enough evidence, I would argue, to to support the theory that there is a physical Bigfoot that it's a natural creature just wants to be left alone. But then you have some of these other some of the other phenomena, right, in which you're we're witnessing clearly paranormal and supernatural events. The thing is, the question that we've come to ask is, OK, again, that overlapping Venn diagram. We have phenomena over here. Looks like it's a giant bird person dancing on top of a well, on top of a a water well in Texas. Over here, the thing looks like a lot of little trolls gathering around somebody's car. Over here, it looks like Bigfoot. Over here, it looks like a long, thin, spindly creature. But the uh, but the actual associated phenomena is all identical. What people actually see and observe and or not what the creature looks like, but what happens to them, the phenomena is all the same phenomena. Mm -hmm. I would suggest these things are going out of their way sometimes to hide as natural uh, enigmatic creatures to hide their movements and even appear as a rake or a wendigo or whatever you want to call it. 
to create confusion, right? I think the, I think we often forget that sometimes confusion can be in chaos is the goal, right? So that we 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 as beings we tend to we it's easy for us to lose the forest for the trees. And I think so much of you can we're dealing again trickster spirits to Richard's point. So much of these things are trickster spirits. They don't want us to understand the bigger picture to see what they're actually doing, how they're actually operating. So we get caught up with, well, is this a Wendigo or was this a Skinwalker or was this a, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we get caught up in these not saying, hold on, take a 50,000 foot view. We are seeing the exact same things or the, the things that are happening to the people are identical. Yeah. Why? It doesn't matter what they're seeing if these things can take whatever form they want. They're they want that confusion as part of what they're doing. That the, the chaos is the point. Let me put this out there to you all. And I, I don't know if any of you have heard me talk about this before. But, you know, in, in what I do, and I, I've been involved with a lot of um, non-terrestrial situations and abductions and such and encounters. And a, a lot of that has been people I've talked to and been involved with, with uh, abductions. Um, I personally believe that humans are a universal species. In other words, I think the humanoid form is something that we see all the time. Even if these, these beings that come back to us <clears throat> that humans see are actually evolved humans coming back from the future or coming able to come back and and manifest themselves to us now saying that as far as um abductions my theory of abductions to maybe to a, a larger even a smaller degree i believe through people i have talked to experiencers that they have gotten the impression that they've been abducted in order, in order for these beings to find our, or obtain our soul. In other words, they do not, they cannot um, see themselves beyond death. And that humans believe, and I'd say most humans believe there is some type of form of life after death. And I think they're somewhat jealous of that. Maybe it's something they once had and are trying to find again. What are your thoughts on that? And anybody can speak up on this. Well, okay, so this is I'll I'll jump in on this because I think this is where we'll, we'll definitely have at least we can create we can end the love fest and have and have some and, and get some <laughs> wrestling done here. Okay. Um so let me start again. Let me put a couple cards on the table just so we're, you know, not you got to put all the cards on the table. So it, it just have an easier conversation. UFO and abduction phenomena. I do think the government, you know, has a hand in this. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's let's so let's take that DOD government psyop stuff. Let's that's on the table. Let's put it out of the way. That's not what we're talking about. I do think that there is a physical aspect to the to the whole abduction phenomena and the UFO phenomena, uh, actual physical, pe you know, beings in physical craft. So that's on the table. And then I think there is 
again, higher spiritual beings that are part of the phenomena as well. I so I, before we get back to the physical one, let's start with the with the you know the higher spiritual one. I am not convinced that every abduction is actually someone physically being taken from where they were to or where they are to someplace else and then brought back. I think there's sufficient evidence that that again to, we couldn't know what the percentage is, but that a percentage of these encounters are actually almost exclusively psychic event events. Not hallucinations, but it's happening on a spiritual level, right? And again, I think these creatures are presenting themselves as quote-unquote greys or aliens or, in, or insectoids to hide and mask what they are and what they are doing. On the physical component, there is a physical component. There are physical beings physically taking people and removing them and performing experiments, etc. I'm not convinced that they are beings from another planet i i think they probably are something more akin to nephilim i think that they are i think that there is a higher agenda of again going back to what we said earlier of chaos of confusion and i think they're trying to hide their their true design their true design i think they are i think they have an agenda that that is all their own i am not convinced that when we have these communications like well this is what we want and this is what we're doing i i think it's all propaganda at that point i think they are they are del these creatures are going out of their way to deliberately confuse uh what they're doing to get people on their own side so that we don't rec again we don't see them for what they really are um from the physical perspective and i don't think that and i think that these physical beings these spiritual beings these supernatural beings are I think they're on the same side. I think one, they're just two different. They're two different hands of the same of the same agenda, and part of that is confusion and chaos, because they have an because they have an agenda to cause us humans evil. Anybody else? And Jason, oh, come on, let's, let's wrestle. It's so hard to say because. And Jason, I'm I, say, I think it's really I, I hard to say because my book. <laughs> there are so many species that yeah. we're speaking of. If, if, yeah. if, you, if you're looking at the um, at a higher consciousness, mm -hmm. if you're able to tune into it, we have roughly hundreds of species of aliens that are radiating around our world at this very moment. Not just one species, but hundreds of them that are there. And I think they are abducting people for various reasons. And I think some are malevolent. I think some aren't. Um, all I can say is an experience that I had that really upset me uh, because I feel very responsible for the transition of souls uh, because of the rescue work I do. My guides took me into a meditation. And in this meditation, they showed me a death process where I actually jumped out of my body and I started moving towards the light. Well, instead of moving in the light, I moved into a spaceship. And in this spaceship, I walked through this huge spaceship that looked very metallic. And I looked around and I saw these um, pods with souls in them. And I'm like looking and I heard they were being recalibrated stripped of all their memory 
and then they were going to be uh, circulating back into the human race, and aliens were now going to be their god. So uh, I wasn't happy with that when I saw that I never in my life thought that aliens would be sucking souls to actually uh, replace God. And I've been reading a lot more lately about how certain alien beings are uh, trying to go more with technology to become creators themselves, that they're actually using souls to uh, be able to use as a point of reference to mimic and create their own souls for their own bodies for the future. And I think they're they're uh, kidnapping souls at this point. I never would have believed it until my guide showed me that. And they brought me back into my body. And from, from then on, I have been um, trying to find out more information about this uh, recycling of souls where they're actually not going into the light. They're actually going into a spaceship and wow. they're being recalibrated instead. I thought that was very interesting. Interesting. Then you Anybody get the astronauts. I mean, you, you get into that theory. What what if these aliens are our gods? I mean, with ancient astronaut theorists and um, looking at Egypt, looking at all these different places and these depictions of, you know, looking up. Um, look, looking up at these star beings that were coming down and giving knowledge and um, the the pyramids and 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 all this stuff they probably were intervening with our existence from the very beginning and actually I said this on uh, last night's uh, show if you were to set me and Giorgio Suclos at a table we would agree on this statement the ufos the or at least many of the ufos and the beings that, that inhabit them today are the same as the lowercase gods and angels and demons of the ancient world we would that they are one in the same phenomena we would agree the difference would be he would say we were wrong in the ancient world and we're right today that they're UFOs. I would argue that we are wrong today that they are aliens from another planet and that they we were right the first go round. And, okay, I don't pull this card very often at all because uh, I don't like arguments from authority or anything like that. I am a trained archaeologist. I didn't get into it because I saw it for the scam it was. Uh, in a lot of cases. I think there's good people doing good work on it, the whole nine yards. But I also saw that if you found the wrong thing, you stopped being an archaeologist and you became a florist, right? <laughs> it's, it, there's, you you cannot show, you can't find the wrong thing. Or if you do, you better find out a way to hide what you did in a formal way. And the thing is, a lot of ancient alien, our arguments for the, you know, ancient alien stuff tend to be done out of an ignorance of actually how people lived thousands of years ago and just ignorant of the technology that they had however the thing is we do see commonalities the the giving of knowledge right that they that we do see massive leaps in technology that aren't really attributable to human to natural human development and so but the thing is they all said hey we were talking to these supernatural beings 
oftentimes, you know, and we're like, no, 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 they didn't know what they were talking to. We know what they're talking to because we have this phenomena here. I would just suggest perhaps this phenomena is hiding itself as this so we don't see them for who and what they are. Because, again, it's that Venn diagram, right? It's the overlapping of phenomena that starts getting a little sketchy where you're like, okay, if you're, you're okay, so you're orc from, from Vulcan and you're coming here to check us out, great. Uh, why is there all this shadow people and, uh, and poltergeist phenomena associated with people you abduct, right? It's like, again, it's missing time. Things that are tradition that are just straight up, you, you know, traditionally, you know, textbook UFO stuff. Why do we see it with these other, again, other creatures like trolls or bird people or Sasquatch or yeah, ghost elves. hunters? Yeah, elves, ghost yeah. hunters. It's like, at a certain point, you're like, hold up. If these things don't, if these things over here, we know they're shapeshifters and these things... It's like, hi, I'm your friend from another planet. How do I know you're not lying to me? Anything that can talk to you can lie to you, right? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Humans, we love lying, right? Uh, that's that's just what we are. I, I just take that. I just like saying, hey, before we make up our minds on things, let's just take that broader step back and say, what do we actually observe? What do we actually see done? Because let's face it. If you're, if you're from planet Vulcan and you're like, let's go hang out with the humans, why not get it's like you could give us certain things i don't think you give a caveman a computer it wouldn't mean anything to him he wouldn't be able to recreate it but there's other things that you could do if that was what you're trying to do instead some of the development makes a little bit more sense if you have a different goal a different ambition and so i'm just not convinced that our little gray buddies here are what they claim to be and jacques valet agrees with me he disagrees with me on what they are but Jacques Vallée was like, whatever these things are, they aren't what they're presenting themselves as. These are two different things. Uh, Nick Redfern has uh, several books on, again, you can you can take it or leave it. Uh, you know, anything that goes with the government, I'm like, you always have to throw disinformation in there into that mm -hmm. into the mix. But that there are government agencies that, and say, hey, we've been doing things to communicate with these creatures that are straight up babylonian sumerian texts that they appear as again in as non-corporeal beings and they're communicating yeah. with them it's like you know maybe we should you know again it, let's take these things seriously it was alistair crowley himself who said today we call them angels and demons tomorrow we will call them something else and the being he called lamb a thing he explicitly said was a being was a demon that gave him the old enochian magics uh, the people who practice uh, his version of uh, theophany now, or theosophy, um, I'm a Texan, I never pronounce anything correctly. Uh, they say that lamb is actually a species of telepathic uh, aliens. <clears throat> so his own, his own statement came true. So I'm just less convinced that these things are what they are presenting themselves as. Okay, well, let's. I tell you, let's. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming on. And before we go, I want each one of you to uh, tell the audience how you can get in contact. They can get in contact with you. Any projects you got coming up, and uh, anything else you want to talk about, books or whatever. So go ahead, Richard. 
Well, you can find out more information if you log on to my website, richardmichella.com. I got a lot of stuff on there, Facebook, YouTube. Um, I got a few more books that are that will be coming out, Spirit Seeker, Spirit Journey, and Extraterrestrials in the Hudson Valley. Um, those are my next three projects that will be dropping. I'm very excited about them. And on my website, again, richardmichella.com, you could... Uh, you, you can send me a message. I do the spirit art and I do it for no charge. Um, and it's a great experience where, you know, I could possibly try to connect with some someone that you have in spirit. So check it out. Amy. Uh, on my website, uh, amymajor.com. I make it really hard find me no and they can find me on uh facebook facebook i'm all over the place uh, i'm refusing to do the tiktok thing i'm trying doing it but you know i'm old, old. you're better uh, off trust me like, please no i can't do it uh i am working on my third book uh which is released to light which is actually a manual for people to help clear themselves of all uh attachments manifested and intelligent and i'm hoping that will come out by the end of the year I do have my new talk uh, where I interview other specialists in the spirit rescue and haunting uh, phenomenon in the communities. I am also teaching very soon in about two weeks, a rescue mediumship certification course. It's a zoom online event. It's a 12 week course where you actually receive certification in rescue mediumship. It's beginner intermediate and advanced. So you do get to become a certified rescue medium at the end of the course. So I'm really looking forward to that. Jason. Um, honestly, there's two. There, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the idiot who can't say no. Um, so I've got too many things to say. Easiest way would be you can go to Texas Front Porch, T-E-X apostrophe S Front Porch on YouTube. Or you can go to Siru Papers, S-I-R-U Papers uh, on YouTube. Uh, I do have a website. Uh, again, Siru Papers, S-I-R-U Papers dot com. That's links to everything. And uh, yeah, it's the easiest way to find me. Siru Papers. And Bernadette. You can find me here with you for a while now. And then <laughs> I'm going to be branching out onto my own. I'm still with you, though. I'm Phantom of some Monsters. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, Bernadette is with Phantom of Monsters 14 Research. And it's been a pleasure to have her on there. Her and her boyfriend both joined the team. And um, yeah, so I expect a lot out of her. She's got her own show coming up, Paranormal Life. So it should be interesting. So, folks, thanks for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. And uh, I think we got a lot of subjects covered. And I hope everybody was entertained by it and learned a few things as well. So, y'all take it easy and uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Bye, bye. Bye, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Now, if you have a sighting or encounter report that you'd like to be considered for the personal report show, or, or even post it at Fams and Monsters, feel free to forward to my email at lonstrickler at famsandmonsters.com. And you have an unexplained encounter or sighting, feel free to contact me through the Fams and Monsters blog site as well. And, you know, like I said during the show, uh, we have a group, Fams and Monsters 14 Research. We do uh, we do cases individual, mostly cryptid, but in some spirit cases, some um, 
hauntings and some other uh, attachments, we will get involved if you if uh, we think there's a need for it. So uh, just contact me through there. Uh, I want to again thank my guests tonight for joining me this evening. And thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. If you made a, a donation, it's very much appreciated. P again, please like, subscribe, and share. And please leave a comment. It's very much appreciated. We want to know what you have to say. Uh, so next Friday night... I welcome back UFO and paranormal investigator Preston Dennett to Phantoms and Monsters Radio. Should be an interesting show, so uh, make sure you tune in. So until next week, stay healthy and have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.